powerful play goes on called life, and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Well, good morning, everybody. Good to have you here again. Such a simple commercial, really, but a very powerful question. I hate to say it, but I think that Apple and their marketing department know something about us. They know something about you, whether you're interested in buying their product or not. Every single one of us longs to make an impact in this life, in the short amount of fleeting years that we have on this earth. If you noticed, that was a commercial for the iPad from several years ago. You have to look closely to realize that, but it's deeper than that. Uh, It was a call to a life of meaning, to make a contribution to a life of significance, using the famous words of Robin Williams in the, the great movie Dead Poets Society. He's quoting Walt Whitman. He's asking these deeper questions of life. It's not a commercial for the iPad. It's a commercial for significance, for impact. What will your verse be? The powerful play goes on. What will your verse be? Why would they make a commercial with that instead of just telling you all about the iPad? Well, because they know it's what we long for. Because so often, you and I get so busy and get going so fast in this life that we miss what matters most. We get so busy and we get so going so fast that we miss what matters most. In fact, I recently heard a survey. If you're on social media these days, there's all sorts of posts and blog articles and different things like that. And this one was actually in the, in the Huffington Post. Well, there was a, there's a research group that goes around, especially this time of year, during the holidays in this upcoming season where people get a little bit nostalgic. They're spending time with family. They're thinking about what their life is all about. And there's this research group that actually goes around and does this, and they go to assisted living facilities, or they go to hospitals, and they meet with people uh, in hospice, or they're on the last leg of their life, particularly uh, people that are in their upper 80s or 90s. So these are people that have lived a long, full life. And so I read an article where they, this group went and they visited with a group of senior citizens, and they asked them a similar question. All of them lived a long, full life, not like us that have many, many years ahead of us, but they're getting a little reflective. And they asked them this one question. If you could do life over again, what would you do differently? Just think about that for a second. Just sit on that for a second. If you could do life all over again, imagine being 80 or 90 and be having a few years of your life left. What would you change? What would you have done differently? Do you have any regrets? What would you have done differently? And so they compiled all of these and made this giant list. And I read through the whole list, and I wanted to share a few of the the, uh, interesting ones for you. And then I'll tell you what the top three were as they compiled all these themes together. I thought there was a few interesting ones. They interviewed probably 250 uh, folks that are in this demographic. And and, uh, one of the responses was, I would risk more. I would take more risks. Not, Not stupid risks, but I would seize the moment more. I thought this one was interesting from a 96-year-old, I would not have been so hard on my kids all the time. I thought that was interesting. This is a fun one, probably my favorite. One elderly man, 97 years old, said, forget the diet fads, I would have eaten more chocolate shakes. (laughs) That's probably going to be me. Uh, Okay, you want to know what the top three were? So they ranked them all and they kind of pooled all the themes together, okay? 250 people. This is some really good insight some really good wisdom, okay? Number one, this is the third highest. They said, I would reflect more. I would have taken more time to breathe it in. How are you doing with that these days? 
Second highest one, of all the themes, I thought this was very interesting, of all the things that they could have said, what would you do differently? The second highest of all of them, I wouldn't have been in such a hurry all the time. Hurriedness and a rushed life made me miss out on the things that were most important. And then the top one, they piled all of them together, and this again and again and again and again and again. Top response, I would have spent more time on things that would somehow live on after I was gone. So they're sitting there, and they have a few days, a few weeks, maybe a few years at most left in their life, and they're realizing you can't take it with you. All this stuff that we think is so important and all these things that we think about and worry about and that consume us and that we stress over, at that moment in their life, they're looking back saying, it was actually all little stuff, right? We say, don't sweat the little stuff. It was all little stuff that pales in comparison to now that they're closer to the end than they are to the beginning. They're looking after death saying, did my life have meaning? Did it have significance? It's almost like every human life it, like ours is like a, well, it's like a drop in the water. It's like a drop in the ocean. No, we're not having baptisms in the tubs this morning. Some of you are getting a little concerned about that. But think about it. Your life is like a drop in the ocean. And the question is, and that these folks are asking is, were there any ripples from my life? If my life is a drop, is, are there any ripples forming? Is there any lasting impact of my life? What did I do with what I was given? And that's kind of the central question that we've been framing up these last few weeks if you've been around during this campaign that we're in called Building Hope Together. And you can see on the, it's, I said it's handout day, and so of the many things you have on your chair, one of those is that Building Hope Together flyer that looks a little bit something like this. And really what this is, if you want to pull that out and, and look at that, if you're new or you just need a reminder, a lot of helpful information on there that kind of summarizes the vision of where we're going, but if we've made anything clear, I hope it's this over the last couple weeks. This really isn't about money. This really isn't about buildings. It's really not about budgets and growth and things like that. It's ultimately about impact. It's ultimately about looking at that and saying, God has done all these things and, and done this incredible impact here. Well, where are we going in the future, and is that impact going to last? It's not about money or budgets or buildings. It's about being a part of something bigger than ourselves, something that will last beyond us. And we've shared this beautiful reality and this awesome problem that we're doing this for two main reasons. Number one, and I can't stress this enough, we're out of space. You look around you, not just during the weekend, but for those of you that are here during the week, you know this. You haven't been in many classes that aren't spilling out over the door. Uh, our, our preschool has, has filled up the entire building and praise God, and it could grow even more if we had more space. Our children's ministries are growing. You'll probably hear them jumping and screaming here in a little bit. Our nursery is flowing over into the next room. We are out of space, and we never want our physical space to limit the amount of ministry that we can do, and we're at that point. I can't stress that enough. Three years into this, and we're thankful for that. We're giving God praise for that. And the second reality uh, is this debt that we have, and, and the need to pay down our existing loan is no longer just an option. It has become a very necessary and urgent and critical piece of us growing and expanding and, and whatever that ends up being in the very near future. But uh, as I've said before, we have some very real uh, leads on that as the ball's kind of moving down the field. And uh, you know about as much as I know uh, at this point. There's several facilities that we're looking at uh, to acquire or looking at renovation or addition uh, options here as well. But in order to do that, we've got to take a bite out of what's existing. 
We've only been here for three years, and God's saying, let's go. Let's grow. And he's putting his hand in the small of our back as a congregation and say, are you with me in this? Or are we just going to kind of settle for where we're at? God is calling us to that. He's inviting you to be a part of this life-changing vision here at Hope Des Moines. And in case you think this has nothing to do with you, it really has something to do with all of us. What is that vision? Well, to remind us, a couple years ago, myself and some of our leaders got together and we just asked God, God, where are you calling us to go the next three, five, ten years as a congregation? What does that look like in a snapshot? And we wanted to give people a picture of that. And and this is kind of where we landed and I could not be more excited about it. Let's read this together. Imagine a community where thousands of the broken, the hurting, the complacent, Even those burned out on church could find compassion and healing and grace and be transformed and sent out each week with a renewed passion to reach out to the city with the everlasting love of Jesus Christ. Man, is that something you'd want to be a part of? Does that sound like a vision that's going to last beyond us? Does that sound like something that's going to not just impact pocketbooks or people temporarily, but people's lives forever? And that's the vision of where we feel like God's calling us to go, but it's not simply our vision or our dream. It's really yours. And it's a beautiful thing as you look around you today on these walls or maybe look behind you. It's okay. Everybody else is doing it. You can look around. It doesn't have to be weird. Look around at all of these dreams. Last weekend, we asked every single one of you that was here this simple question. My big dream for Hope Des Moines is fill in the blank. And boy, did you fill in the blank. And as we looked through those as a staff this week, we read every single one of them. We we prayed through them. There was a couple things that really, really stuck out to us. Number one is your passion for this church. Not one of those cards. uh, Somebody said that we should have a soda fountain uh, here in the church. I will work on that. But other than that, uh, every single one of you, I didn't see any card that said, let's just stay where we're at. Let's just settle for the status quo. Also, I didn't see any card that said, I want things to be the way that I want them. There there was not a lot of inward navel-gazing. It was all outward. It was all others-focused. It was all, we've had this to be a blessing to others. And that's what I love about you as a church. And the other amazing thing that I have to tell you is that if you took all these together as a dream, as a vision, it'd be that. That was done two years before any of this. And so the other thing that stuck out to us as a congregation is the incredible sense of unity that we have. I mean, we are very different. I will just look around you again, awkwardly. Just look at the people next to you right now. Just look at them. Just stare at them and give them a big smile. They are not like you, okay? We have a very, very diverse church in a lot of different ways. And yet in our dreaming, as we look outside of ourselves, there's a mission that's bigger than us. And in those major things that are most important, God has brought this incredible sense of unity. And today, I believe God is saying, okay, go do it. Stop talking about it. Go do it. There's a time to dream, and there's a time to step into the calling that God has given you. Paul puts it this way in Ephesians 4, and we've been quoting this verse the last few weeks because it's the very center of this campaign. Let's read it together uh, on the screen. Paul says, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. He's talking to this brand new church in Ephesus that's growing in the gospel, and he essentially could be speaking to us this morning, too. Paul says there's two different ways to live this life, haphazardly or intentionally. 
There's two different ways to live this life. God is calling out to every single one of you this morning. He's saying, step into the vision, into the calling of what I've given you, not only as a man or woman of God, but as a church as well. God takes his hand and he puts it in the small of our back and he says, this way. I'm calling you to step out. I'm calling you to take a step of faith. And for a lot of us, one of the ways to live is we ignore it. We say, ah, it's not really my thing. Somebody else will do that. Or it's not really a good season. It's not really a good time for me right now. And we'll just ignore it or become apathetic to it. And some of you will just walk out of here this morning as if nothing ever happened. And you'll miss it. And the other way to live life is with this intentionality that when God says, I'm calling you this way, we go. And where he says go, we go. And we follow that calling. As difficult as it may be, as uncomfortable as it might be, God said, I never called you to comfort. I called you to significance. And you can live your life haphazardly, and you can pop in and pop out and do your thing and never really plug in and be a part of anything. Or you can get to the end of your life and be one of those people in a retirement home that gets interviewed, and you can say, I don't have any regrets. Because I lived my life with the end in mind, that death is not the end, and I'm actually going to live for things that are going to last, not the fleeting moments and things of each day. I want to be somebody that gets to the end and has no regrets because I live my life for things that matter. It's almost like every single one of us has been given kind of a, almost like a handful of rocks, and those rocks represent uh, everything that God's given you, all the blessings in your life, as we've talked about the last few weeks, our time. Uh, Every single one of us has been given the same amount of time, 24 hours in a day, seven days a week, 52 weeks a year. All of us have the same amount of time, but we've been given different talents as well that God's placed in our hands, different gifts, different abilities, different experiences that he's given us to use for the sake of others. And he's given us treasure. He's given us our money and our possessions and our finances to, to use for the sake of building his kingdom, not our kingdom. Every single one of us has these rocks. In fact, literally, you do, underneath your chair. So reach under your chair right now and pull one of those out. I'm not just going to tell you about it. We're going to do it. And I know you're pretty well behaved, so please don't throw them at your neighbor. Uh, I want you to hold it. I want to reach under there, and why don't you just grab one of them? The other one is for the person that's going to sit in that seat at the next service. So just grab one of them for now. And I want you to hold that rock. And if you don't have them, just raise your hand, because we want everybody to have one, and the ushers will get you one. We've got plenty of those. As you hold that rock, hold it in your hand and feel the weight of that. What has God given you? Something very, very unique. And so in our lives, we can toss those, we can hide them, or we can toss those rocks at things that aren't going to last, the things that don't matter, or we can make ripples. We can invest in things that matter. No, I'm not just saying skipping rocks. I'm saying really make ripples. I'm going to see how, how you know, far I can get. I, I did play basketball once upon a time. There you go. That's right. Three for three. Are you going to do things in your life that are going to create an impact that's going to grow and grow and grow and affect way more people than you? Or are you going to, be, are you going to live for yourself? Are you going to make ripples? It reminds me of several weeks ago as you hold that rock. Uh, our four-year-old Caleb and I went to the park together. And when you're four, you play at the park for about four minutes. And then you go to the woods and you destroy things. So that's what we did. <laughs> And we went, and there's this uh, awesome trail that goes through the park that we were going uh, in Windsor Heights, and we follow that trail along, and it goes underneath a bridge that's the interstate. And so when you're four, everything is amazing. He'd never been under a bridge before. And he's like, there's literally cars going over the top of me. Like, it blew his mind. It was the highlight of his month, okay, that he was standing under a bridge. Well, when that bridge leads to the river, 
And so we don't hang out at the river a lot. We live in Des Moines in the city. And so there we are at the river, and he looks, and there are just thousands of rocks just like this. And I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. I can teach my son to skip rocks, and we can have this cool bonding moment as father and son. And the first thing he does is he goes, and he picks up this giant rock, and he just chucks it at a tree, like a little tiny tree, and it just breaks in half. And I'm like, is the DNR around here somewhere? Like... <laughs> And I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? And he just starts picking up rocks, and he's throwing them at trees and the ground. He's throwing them up at the bridge, like where cars are going past. I'm like, that's a headline. Pastor and son arrested for <laughs> denting cars on 235, you know. And I'm like, whoa, 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 buddy, let's, let's try something different, okay? Let's try something different. And I, I brought him over, and I got some rocks. We went over to the river, and I said, now watch, okay? Watch. I got the biggest rock I could find. Uh, that I could throw and, and, and be strong as the dad here. And I dropped it. I'm much bigger than this. And I said, okay, now, Caleb, I want you to watch. When I throw that rock in, don't, don't watch the rock. Focus on the impact. Focus on the, focus. On, these things are called ripples. And he goes, ripples. Okay, like, poof, first, first idea there. Okay. And I said, watch the water as it goes out. Okay. And we dropped it in. I said, watch the water. And he just kept going. He goes, they're still going. They're still going. And he just was fixated on it. They're still going. And then he ran down the river a little bit. He's like, it's still going. The ripple's still going. And I know. Isn't that cool? And he goes, daddy, those are huge circles. And I go, I know. And I'm like, I just want to convince the church of that. Because you can, you can throw your rocks at all sorts of things. Or you can watch the impact and the circles, I've got bigger rocks, so those of you sitting in the front row, get ready, all right? <laughs> watch the circles, watch the impact. And we had a couple rocks left, and I looked at them, I said, okay, now that you've seen that and how cool that is, you want to throw it at the bridge, or do you want to make ripples? And he goes, make ripples. Oh, yeah. Because he saw the impact that it could make. And here's what I believe. God is calling us to be a ripple-making church. To not settle for, wow, great, we built this building and we renovated it and look at all these people and these ministries. God's saying, that's great for you. What about the person that's going to be sitting in that chair 25 years from now? Are you thinking about them today or are you just thinking about yourself? Well, I found my church home. That's great. I'm comfortable. All throughout the scriptures, God says, you have been blessed not for yourself, but to give it away. That's where joy comes. That's where satisfaction comes, when you don't just seek to get your needs met, but look for the sake of others. To use our rocks, whatever you've been given, your time, your talent, your treasure, to impact people's lives far into the future. And just if you thought like, oh, John, that's a cute little story about your son and, and impacting that, this is very, very deep on Jesus' heart. He takes this very seriously, what we do with what we've been given. And so as you hold that rock, I want you to think about this next story. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 25, and we're going to discover the power of what we do with what we've been given. Matthew chapter 25, it's in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, it's going to be about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Matthew is the first of the four Gospels. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and we're going to hang out here for just a bit. Matthew 25, verse 14. And so here we find Jesus telling one of his many parables. And a parable is just a fancy biblical way of saying a story that uses modern-day things around us to communicate a big theological concept, or in this case, what Jesus often did with parables, is teaching about the kingdom. And what is the kingdom like? And so Jesus tells this hypothetical story that could have happened 
in the times that he was living in to his audience. And so we pick it up in verse 14. Jesus is teaching about us living in the kingdom. Again, it will be like a man that goes on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. These are what's, this is what's in our hands this morning. Verse 15, to one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and to another one bag, each according to his ability. Now, to understand how big of a deal this is, some of you are like, oh, a bag of gold is just like some coins. Well, if you translate that through the currency of the day, denarii, and if you do the work, the Greek word there is actually talent. Everybody say talent. That don't mean like America's got talent, you know, like Simon or something like that talking about talents, actual currency. That's what it was called. And if you do the currency translation there, uh, this would, uh, one talent would actually equal about 20 years of a daily wage. Okay. So if you're making six, seven, eight, nine dollars an hour, you can do the math. We're talking about 25 or 30 grand. Okay. One talent is that much. So one guy gets one, one guy gets two talents. That's almost $50,000. And one guy gets five. So this is no small potatoes here, okay? This is a significant amount of money. Pick up the story. Then he went on his journey, verse 16. Then the man who had received five bags went at once and put his money to work. He put it to work, and he gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags gained two more, and then verse 18. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. Verse 19, after a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. And so to summarize, essentially the man with five gained five more. His master replied, well done, well done, good and faithful servant. And the same with the one with two bags, well done, good and faithful servant. And then verse 24, the man who had received one bag of gold came, master, I was afraid. I was afraid. And I went out and I hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Verse 26, his master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. (laughs) Some of you are like, wow, that's really harsh words. Or Jesus is just trying to desperately communicate to us how much your time on this earth matters. I'm not going to beat around the bush, Jesus says. Those rocks you hold in your hand, the time that you've been given, the gifts that God has given you, the treasure that he's given you of your finances and your possessions, they matter. They matter. And I want you to understand this. In this story, the master is not upset because the guy didn't make more money. I would love to rewind the story and see if he actually put it to work and invested it and it just didn't work out. I'm guessing the master isn't upset with him at all. This isn't about accumulating wealth. The master isn't upset because he didn't make money. He's upset because he wasted the opportunity that he was given, and he hid it. What are you doing with what God has placed in your hands? Are you hiding it? Are you keeping it to yourself? Are you using it for things that matter? Are you using it for things that matter? And in that line of thinking, I want to draw your attention back to that Building Hope Together handout, and I want you to look through that. I want you to look through that and know that so many of you have been a part of this, and I want you to see the impact, and I want you to see the opportunity. When I look at this, when I see paying off uh, over a million dollars in debt in three years, uh, growing as a congregation by almost 50%, uh, meals, school supplies, gifts to local families, 
discipling students, 150 breakfast club members serving food, 60 preschool students, all this discipleship going on, all of that. You know what that says to me? God says, this is what I've given you to be a good steward of, Hope Des Moines. Now what's the next step? What are you going to do with it? And folks, these are just the highlights. And you can even see on the back the impact that your giving can have of the thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars that can be saved the faster we pay this loan down, the faster we can move forward into the future as a congregation to where God's calling us. Read through it. Pray over it. Ask God what he wants you to do. And again, those are just the highlights. And what the statistics can't show you is the stories. What I wish I could... Sometime I'm just going to do a whole sermon. I'm going to sit up here on a stool like a grandpa and just tell you stories. Just in the last three years of the impact that God through this facility has had. It, it, it can't even capture the stories of changed lives. And every Thanksgiving, I, I get a little bit nostalgic because I remember my friend Kirby. I'll take you back a couple years during our initial giving campaign for this building, the reason that we're sitting here this morning, there was a rougher looking gentleman that walked into worship one day, he actually came to breakfast club. Uh, he kind of wandered in. And I think he was uh, homeless at the time. Then later he got his own place. But as we got to talking with him a little bit and came alongside of him, we learned that uh, you name it, he'd done it. You, he got into everything you can think of. He'd made mistakes. And as he was trying to get his life back together, he stumbled upon one of our pickup locations for the bus. And somebody said, hey, Kirby, you should come with. Going down to this Lutheran church. And the first thing he asked me when I talked to him is, what in the world is a Lutheran, he said. Said, I don't know, I'm still learning that. Uh, but we're following Jesus here, and we want you to be a part of that. And so he had breakfast, and he kept coming back and coming back. And I'm telling you, we serve almost the same breakfast here, every, although I heard there was biscuits and gravy this morning. Can I get an amen for biscuits and gravy? I heard that. You know what I'm saying, right? But I don't think it was that that brought him back. He'd never been accepted before. Like right in the middle of his mess. It wasn't like, go get your life cleaned up, Kirby, and then come back, and we'll love you as a church is we're going to accept you first, and then we're going to help you work through all this pain and addiction and brokenness from your past and all this string of broken relationships that you have in your life. And so we didn't look at him. He said, I don't feel like a project for the first time in my life. You're not trying to come alongside and fix me. You're coming alongside and loving me. And through that unconditional love, God's doing the fixing. God's changing my heart because he's the only one that can do that. And so we came along side of him, and several years later, right before Easter, because of the love of this congregation, Kirby came up to me after worship one Sunday, and he said, Pastor John, I don't know exactly what this is all about, but I want to get baptized. I said, I would, I would love to do that. He said, I want to be a new man. I want to live for Jesus. Would you baptize me? And so, on Palm Sunday, a few years ago, we... We baptized him, full immersion, right there in the Hubble gym. We, we baptized him with his Vikings jersey on. And for those of you that are wondering, he didn't come up from the dead with a Packers jersey on. That didn't happen. He just is still, he always wore that jersey every week. I don't know if it was the only thing he had, but that's what he wore every single week. And we baptized him, and he was a new man, and everybody clapped, and tears were rolling down his eyes, and he was so loved by so many people in, in our community. And I think about the trajectory of where his life was headed, and then on that day, I thought about just the 180 going the completely other direction, run into Jesus. And, and yeah, praise God for that, absolutely. 
And uh, about six months later is right around this, this time, this weekend, about four or five years ago, that we got the terrible news that Kirby had had some heart complications and had died. Right after all this had happened. And so I'm asked to do his funeral, and uh, Kirby was not Caucasian, obviously, and so before Hope Des Moines, he had been involved with a church that was primarily uh, African-American, and I am not. I'm from Story City. And, um, and so I'm walking in there as a blonde hair, blue eye Norwegian pastor walking into this congregation that's not that, and I'm standing up, and there's Kirby in the casket, and I'm like, what? God, what have I gotten myself into? Like, what am I going to say? But I'm thinking about all of you and the way that you had loved him and so many others. This is just one of hundreds of stories. And I get up to read the gospel in John chapter 11, and Jesus' words were never more real than that day. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. And he who believes in me, even though they die, will live. And I said, Jesus is Kirby's resurrection and Kirby's life. What we do here matters. This isn't about money. This isn't about buildings. This isn't about budgets. This is about changing the trajectory of people's lives forever. And if you think that we're here and we're just playing church and we're singing some songs, this is not the church for you. But if you want to use what you've been given to make some ripples, I invite you to be a part of that. Because Kirby is just one of many stories that I could tell you exactly like that. Because many from our community, what they did is that they saw a man that God loved. They didn't look at his past. They didn't look at his mistakes. And they said, I'm going to throw in some rocks for Kirby. And the impact of my life is going to matter because it's not just about me. It's about people like him. And they loved him literally right into the arms of Jesus. What we're doing here matters. And when you, one of the benefits of staying, of sticking around, of being a part of a family is that you get to see the effect of the ripples that you make. You get to see the fruit of what happens. I've heard that said about people that make an impact, leaders in this life. If you want to make an impact, your fruit will most likely grow on other people's trees. It may not be in your lifetime that you see the effects, but in the local church, we get to see that every single day how your gift matters. And two of the people that have seen that again and again are my good friends, Bill and Val Armstrong. And this final hope story that I want to share with you during this campaign, I want you to hear from another great couple from our community that has discovered the joy of giving. Let's take a look. We are Val and Bill Armstrong. Um, we started out at Hope West Des Moines about 15 years ago, I would say, and then uh, began worshiping in Hubble when we started the church there. I guess where I have seen the most impact um, of having a physical building would be Breakfast Club. Um, I have uh, been involved in that ministry for a couple years. Now we're up to like 145 people every, every Sunday. I mean, I just love um, when I come, you know, it's early in the morning, it's dark, you know, I'm pulling up to the building and um, the hope sign, you know, is all lit up and, and, and people are physically walking up at 6.30, 7 in the morning and um, walking toward the church. And I just, every time, it just really gets me because um, it's, it's home to a lot of people who never would have been able to, who never would have found us otherwise. This club is way more than breakfast. And talking about generosity, it's interesting because that was something that uh, you know, was difficult for me uh, for a number of years. Um, 
don't know what's the best way to describe it. Cheap, maybe. <laughs> and I don't yeah. don't don't like to spend money on a lot of things. And but then also talking about, and I know you guys always talk about giving out of the joy of your heart. And when I started to think about that, and then with the prayer, um, you know, we talked about it and became very changed dramatically the, the way we approach it. And for us, you know, we decided it starts with tithing and then we go from there. And just by doing that, um, and instead of thinking about, oh gee, how much money am I giving? Instead thinking about the different things and the benefits that, that are coming like a church like this and the people that are being fed or whatever, um, just has changed the whole process for us. And you know, now it is, you know, giving out of the joy of our heart. It just, it feels like a personal investment. I mean, we just, we love this community so much. And if, you know, um, we're, we're giving that's gonna directly benefit the place where we live and the people that we live around. It feels like the, really the perfect place to put our money because, you know, it's our, it's our, it's our people. <laughs> yeah, praise God, absolutely. What I love about Bill and Val and their story is they've said, we're going to take the rocks that we've been given and we're going to use them for the sake of others. It would be very easy, and the danger is that when we come and step into a local church and we're, we're new, which a lot of you are, one idea is that we come in and the first question we're asking is, am I getting my needs met? And I will tell you this, if you live your life, especially in the world of church with that posture, you're never going to be satisfied. Jesus flips that upside down and he says, actually, when you deny yourself and you start looking to the needs of others and you realize, I have been a blessing to bless others, that's actually when we get filled up. You hear him say that over and over and over again. It's the joy of giving. That's what brings the joy and the satisfaction. If you've been around the last couple weeks, I didn't hand these folks a script. But I feel like every single week, every person that's been interviewed has said, the joy of giving, the joy of giving, the joy of giving. It's almost like that's the way that we were created. That's the way that it should be. One of my favorite verses about giving, Paul puts it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's read this together up on the screen. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. It's clear, and I want you to hear me say this this morning, that God cares way more about how we give than necessarily what we give. He cares more about the manner and the posture and the motivation of your heart rather than the amount that you give. And so the theme this whole time has been pray about it. Pray about it. That's all we ask. And then be obedient to that. And if you feel, if you're ready to give and there's a little bit of guilt in there, because man, John gave the sermon and I feel kind of like I have to do, I probably should do this, you know, feeling this pressure. Please don't give. Keep it. Don't give it. Give out of the joy of your heart. And when you do that, it is ultimately between you and God. And what you have decided in your heart, between you and God to give. I don't know, I've never known, and I will never know what you give. It's between you and God, out of the joy of your heart. And when you bring that offering envelope up, I, I mean, do a little dance, folks. You gotta know this, that that word for cheerful there in the Greek is hilarion. Everybody say hilarion. Can you guess what word that translates to in the English? Hilarious, right? If somebody says something hilarious, you don't go, ha, huh, funny, right? It's AKA, it's full of joy. Giving is full of joy. If you need a picture of this, in a little bit, the kids are going to join us and they're going to lead us 
in this giving, in this processional offering. A couple years ago, I don't, I mean, some of them might do a dance today, but I watched one of them. He came up with his offering, and he kind of did a little spin move, and then he like spiked his campaign offering right in there and did a little dance. I'm just saying, I've never seen any of you do that during the offering. So they're setting the bar pretty high. It's the joy of giving. However, there's some barriers today, and some of you are looking at this thinking, John, I... I just came here today. Of course, I came on the Giving Sunday, so I'm going to slip out afterwards because this isn't really for me. I'm sure, like, the real members of this church will do it, and, and I, I, I don't, that's not really me. I'm, I, I'm just kind of a face in the crowd. I'm sure somebody else will do something. I want you to think back to the parable of the talents. I want to hear at the end of my life, well done, good and faithful servant. Not how much did you stow away in your pockets. Did you play it safe? Great. But nobody has changed because of your life. You simply just existed. What are you doing with what's been given to you, with what's in your hand this morning? Others of you are thinking the same thing. Well, I can't give a lot. So it's not really like it's going to make that big of a difference. And if you've ever doubted, whether it's money or your time or your talents, if you've ever doubted what one small act can do, watch this final video of what happens when a little girl makes one small gift and the ripple effect that takes place. Let's take a look. Did you watch the little girl stand there the whole time and just go, what did I do? <laughs> one tiny little gift created a beautiful symphony. And some of you are thinking, I can't give, I don't have any money, I don't have that much to offer, I'm new, this isn't for me, whatever it is. God is saying, what are you doing with what you do have, with what I've given you? The title to that video, very fitting, is The Best Coin Ever Spent. You guys, you have no idea the impact that we can have as a church. You have no idea what impact your gift and the ripples that it can affect. And if you walk out of here today thinking that this whole thing was about what you can give financially, then I have not done my job and we have missed it. Because what you hold in your hand, every single one of us has rocks that we've been given. It's the, it's the carpenters that, that helped build this. It's the people that worked on the tile and the restrooms and the, all the people that helped with the build out of this building. For some people, it's, it's, it's those who prepared your coffee, who greeted you this morning. It's those that are hanging out with your kids right now in, in Hope Kids or the nursery. It's those that are playing instruments as a part of our band, our volunteer-led worship team that's incredible. It's for those of you that have blue shirts on today that are serving. It's the rocks that you have. It might even just be the high five, the handshake, or the hug of love that somebody needed today that's what's in your hand. Every single one of us has something to give. You are way more a part of this than you know. The story is told of when JFK was in office. He was during the, the great space race and he was touring the NASA facility and was walking through with all of his leaders and all of his bodyguards and they were going up to his last stop of the day to meet the astronauts that were going to be going on the next Apollo mission. And they were walking up there, you know, the, the astronauts, they're the important ones. They're the ones that are doing the real work and doing the real mission. And on his way up, the story goes, the JFK stopped 
and at the end of the hallway by the elevator where they were going to go up, there was one lone janitor that was mopping the floor in a dark corner of the facility that probably nobody knew was there, scrubbing the floor. And he said to his bodyguards, Secret Service, stop. And he walked over and he introduced himself and he said, my name's John. What's your name? And he met the man. And he asked the janitor, what are you doing here? And the janitor put down his broom and he looked up with a big smile and he said, I'm helping put a man on the moon. I'm a part of something way bigger than myself. And this is my small part to play. You have no idea. You are so much more a part of this than you realize. We're changing Des Moines. We're making heaven crowded. And we pray that you would ask God, how have you called me to be a part of that? Because we can all throw in our little rocks today and we can make some pretty cool ripples. But what this campaign is about is doing something together that we could not do individually to make a huge splash, to be done with this debt, to pay it down, to free us up so that we can run into the future that God has for us. We're going to need you. We're going to need every single person as we continue to grow as a church. We can't do this alone, but we can make a much bigger splash today if we put all of our rocks together. I mean, if we put all of your little rocks together, it might be this or even bigger. Hope you guys brought a change of clothes up here. This is how I get you to pay attention to the very end, right? And it's like God is calling us to say, man, we're better together, aren't we? Let's say it. We're better together. Say it. We're better together, right? Say together. Man, you think about the splash that we could make, you guys. You think about the impact that we can make in this city. We're making heaven crowded by what we do every single day. Yeah, we could throw in those individually, but together. That's why we're doing this campaign. That's why you should tell your friends and everybody that you know. And we can make a big splash together. Oh, you actually thought I was going to do it, didn't you? Ah, see? 11 o'clock service, maybe, because then we won't have to clean up. That's what God has called us to do. That's what we get to do. And so what I want you to do right now is pull out that card. Every single one of you, because on the bottom of that card, it says my time and my talents. Some of you are going to offer something financially today, and that's awesome. Praise God for that. But some of you aren't. It's not the amount of the gift, it's the manner in which you give. And so the band's just going to play a little bit, and we're just going to give you some time. We're just going to give you some time to think. And for some of you, you're already giving. You're already serving. Write that down. For some of you, you're giving online. Write that down. For some of you, God's calling you to, to up that gift. For some of you, he's calling you to give a new gift. This is for every single one of us. The other thing I want you to do, in one hand, I want you to hold that card. In the other hand, I want you to hold that rock. And we've got these up here for a reason because I'm not the only one that gets to make an impact and create ripples today. So as you come up in a little bit, this is my challenge, this is my encouragement to you for every single one of us. Hang with me here. I want you to throw your rock in there and create some ripples. And after that, I want you to put your envelope in the basket. This is for every single one of us. Write down in the ways that you're already serving how God, what God has given you to offer to this church. 
Write that on the card and then the envelope. If you give online, I want you to throw your rock in as well. This is for every single person. And then don't go anywhere because we're going to end this service in style and we're going to have a party and you're not going to want to miss it. So hang with us. When you come up, the ushers aren't going to lead you forward because this is between you and God. And I want you to come forward, drop your rock in, drop your envelope off, and then head back to your seat. And before we close, I wanted to prep you for the week ahead. Because I was thinking like, man, how do I wrap this up? What, what could I really say, you know, that would be a zinger? God just says, tell them that you love them. You want to know what I'm thankful for? Next week, I'm just prepping you here. Next week, you're going to be sitting around a table and somebody's going to say, so what are you thankful for this year, right? I'm thankful for you. Paul's words in Philippians chapter 1. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion in the day of Christ. It is right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. You are an incredible church. You're an incredibly faithful and generous church, and I simply want to say thank you. Thank you for being who you are. You continue blow me away, to blow me away by your generosity and the ways that you love and the ways that you serve and the ways that you give, and it, it is an honor. It is an honor to be one of your pastors here. Folks, it's time to make a big, big splash. And we can do something together that we could not do alone. So the band's just gonna play for a little bit. Take your time. And whenever you're ready, come on up. The kids are gonna lead us because they're ready to go. They're itching and ready to go. And we're gonna stand and sing. Don't go anywhere. And we're gonna have a party to end this service. Let's build hope together.